0: Welcome back and welcome to, this is the Louis Bellina Show on a Wednesday. It's the lunch hour, lunchtime. Thank you so much to Rudy's Barbecue. We will visit 30 minutes from now with our Beer Master General, Alan Ward of Brigadoon Brewery. I've got time for a text message or 10. You can light up the Tradition Mobile One Lube Express inbox. Tradition Mobile One Lube Express owned by, well, Gabriel Garcia, I believe in local. I want local businesses, I want to deal with local people. I want people that understand, recognize, and they deal with what I deal with, you deal with, and that happens when you live, eat, breathe, sleep, shop, hang out at the same place as I do. Gabriel Garcia, owner, Tradition Mobile and Lube Express. Born here, raised here, high school here, college here, married here, raised family here, Business here serves our community here. He's about as local as the universe can get. And he happens to be a pretty awesome dude, too, on top of it. So, yeah. Tradition, Mobile, and Lube Express. I'm a big fan of Gabriel's. You could text me at 979-693-1150. Anything going on in your mind, spit it out. Text me now. Let's go to the world of MLB for a little bit. So much happened yesterday. Yeah, trade deadline was at 5 o'clock, but... Vin Scully, it's like legendary, is an understatement. Goat, I mean, is an understatement. I mean, Vin Scully, iconic Dodgers broadcaster, passed away age 94. He announced games for the Brooklyn Dodgers and then the Los Angeles Dodgers. Vin Scully, Hall of Famer, was calling games for 67 years, and he passed away last night. He was the longest-tenured broadcaster with a single team in pro sports history. His career began calling games, broadcasting for the Dodgers, in the 50s with Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson. He was calling games... You know, in the his last game was twenty sixteen. Started the nineteen fifties, his last game was twenty sixteen, October of. Vin Scully, and I think everybody in our business of sports has a story. I have one too. When I first started in radio, when I first started, I mean like literally the first weekend, like the start of my career. Vin Scully would join CBS Sports Radio and not the CBS Sports Radio network we have now, but CBS Sports Radio used to syndicate the Major League Baseball games and that included the Major League Baseball playoffs. And Vin Scully would call the playoff games. And I used to request, yes, I asked to work all the CBS Sports playoff games because I wanted to board up, that was my first job in radio, the Vin Scully games. I was so, and the word is fascinated. And it was the tone of his voice, because he was so pleasant to listen to. His word choices. No one I've ever met as a storyteller on the level of Vin Scully. And everything he done was, did was perfection. He never told stories and hurt the game. You know, besides the game. I've heard the storyteller broadcasters But then they forget about the game. The game becomes secondary to the story, not Vin Scully. Everything he did was kind of perfection. And it was his voice. It was that welcoming, like he was talking to you. We in the radio business, when it comes for play-by-play, and the sport doesn't matter, we say that our job is to make you listening on your radio see the game. And there's a lot of ways and a lot of things. but it, And if we do it for a moment, we're doing our job. And with Vince Scully, you felt like you were sitting next to him at the game. You didn't just see it. You were at the game sitting with him. He was amazing. And I can't say I listened to him all the time. I've never lived in L.A. or California. But listening to the CV, running here at the radio station, asking... If I could be scheduled to work them. And then over the years when I was lucky and blessed enough to get to listen to them. I consider Vin Scully the greatest broadcaster, radio, play-by-play guy. Whatever labeling you want. I've ever heard. I think he's the best radio, TV, any level. You know, you got your John Maddens. There's a list of the greatest. We've been over them before. Pat Summerall's, and they're they're legends. I think Vin Scully's the greatest. Something that stood out about Vin Scully, and I think about these kind of things, part of his strength is, you know, he was the Dodgers broadcaster. He criticized bad plays. He criticized bad manager decision. He would praise opponents. Vin Scully called the game as it was. And man, I say today, I'd say especially over the past decade, if not 15 years, the whole thing about having to be a homer has went into hyperdrive. Some organizations have always demanded that their play-by-play guys be a homer. You can have a guy strike out five times and you're not allowed to say, He's having a stinko night. You're just supposed to gloss over it. You can't say hat trick, golden sombrero. No, no, no. That's criticism. You're not allowed to question a manager's decision. Vince Scully did. And there's a way to do everything. And there's a wrong way to do everything. And, and, and nowadays, again, broadcasters are not allowed to think. Their job is to promote. And I know a lot of the broadcasts I hear are so worse off for not allowed, allowed to be honest with you. They can't tell you what's really happening because they can't tell you that manager made one of the dumbest decisions of the year. They, you know, again, a player makes three errors in the game and you can do no more than say, and that's his third error of the game. And you can't say third and final because that'll cost them the game. I mean, that kind of honesty and detail more word choice adds to a game. And Vin Scully did all of it. And again, that praising opponent is a big one too. You'll notice that and listen for it. That some announcers will never praise the opponent. They never make an incredible throw. It's never a great scramble for a first down. Everything the opponent does is lucky. I think that belittles the effort of your own players if the only team only gets lucky. I love Vin Scully. Icon. Icon, Icon legend. Nobody. Again, like I said, I think Goat is an understatement on him. Passed away yesterday, 94. Then the games. Then the games. Another 0-for-2 kind of night. Astros-Rangers both losing. 2-1 Boston over Houston. Offensive power outage at Minute Maid Park. Nine hits equaling one run. They could not, you know, get the hits to match up. Houston out-hit Boston 9-5 and lost 2-1. Top of the order, 2-for-4 Altuve, 2-for-4 Ululiski. Alvarez had a hit. Bregman had a hit. But none of it connected. You get nine hits. You're supposed to have more than one run. Jeremy Payne, you went two for four. You got a quality start. Easy quality. Six innings, two runs. both Four hits and seven Ks. For Christian Javier. Bullpen. Three innings, one hit. No walks, no runs. I mean... Everything but the final score is an A-plus grade. And the Astros have lost two straight to Boston. Texas Rangers, they lost to Baltimore. 8-2 is the final. It's very simple at Texas. They are who we thought they are. And the reality of who they are is just catching up with them. Their bullpen for two and a half months was one of the best in MLB. It's starting to light on fire. They were getting these starts that no one projected, but now other than Martin Perez, not so much. And the offense has never truly caught fire this year as projected whatsoever for the Rangers. So, you know, they're kind of slipping. They're now 11. Remember when they were a game above 500? Rusty Burson booked his World Series tickets. Chip bought his pennant to put in his office. AL West champs. Nah, they're 11 below now. And again, for the Rangers, they just are who we thought they are. A couple of quick text messages. J84 said, dude, couldn't even make a gross... Could Okay, dude... Could even make a grocery list sound epic. Vin Scully, again, his voice, the timber quality of it, his storytelling ability, his word choices. He was perfection. Frank said, Lou, like coleslaw with ribs, Vin Scully and baseball are inseparable. Only two other announcers I enjoyed as much were Milo Hamilton and, of course, Eric Nadel. Here's the thing. And you used a good word there, Frank. Enjoy. I've enjoyed other announcers. But I don't have anyone on Vin Scully's tier. That's how this magnificent, brilliant, fantastic. He was perfection. There's others that are great. I mean, again, you mentioned Eric Nadell, one of the best. But Vin Scully just happened to excel at everything that caused him to be something different is the way I know this magical thing. Vin Scully. He was incredible. 67 years. 67 years. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back more MLB, trade deadline, winners, losers, what did, didn't happen. More of your text messages. More of the Louis Bolina show from inside the Charles Schwab studio, low cost, full service. Best of all, well, local, that's Schwab. That's Mark Sim right here in College Station. Experience a modern approach to wealth management. Find him online, him, Mark Sim. Find him online at schwab.com slash college station. Tomorrow is Thursday. I'm calendar enabled that way. And Thursday on the Louis Bolina show, Eleven thirty-five, and Gall, four forty sports, ESPN Radio. Twelve. I'm confused by that one. I forget. There's something in the lunchtime hour that's very helpful to you, Billy Lucci. Oh, okay. Tomorrow, eleven thirty-five, Braden Gall, four forty sports, ESPN Radio. Twelve thirty-five, Adam Volleyball Head Coach, Laura Bird kuhn One o five, Billy Lucci. ...of the Tex-Ags universe. You know, this week I told you the fall edition of the Louis Bellina Show. We welcome back friends. We visit with AM and m coaches. Uh, you know, Mitch Light was supposed to be today. But Mitch is gone. Mitch is... Well, Mitch will be next week. He's doing this thing for the Athletic and he was not free at this time. Mitch, again... Was with The Athletic. He's with The Athletic. And he, uh not free at this time. <laughs> there, I'm kind of chuckling through my head here. on Because we had Trisha Ford today. Tomorrow, we have Laura Bird kuhn And then Friday's G. Guerrero. We're visiting with the coaches, welcoming friends back. I think so far, two thumbs up so good. It, it's been a lot of fun. It, it's been a whole lot of fun. Back to MLB. News, notes, Houston Astros, Jason Castro, he was put on the 60-day IL, underwent you know surgery last week to repair the meniscus in his left knee. He's going to miss the rest of this season. His career uh, as an Astro is pretty much done. Sad to hear. The Astros made those three trades before the deadline, so they had to make a lot of roster moves. J.J., uh, Metajevich was optioned down to AAA Sugarland. Then you had Alex Bregman, who got activated right before the game yesterday. He was on paternity leave. He only missed like one game. But Alex Bregman got activated, so Taylor Jones got sent back to Sugarland. He only had one pinch hit appearance during his time on the roster. Castro IL 60. Uh, what is it, a Vasquez got traded for from the Red Sox. So Corey Lee, catcher, sent back to the minors. You know, he's one of their top prospects. But Corey Lee got sent down to Sugarland. a part of all the different moves that they had to do. I took a look. I've been very, not confused, that's a wrong word. I've been very like, huh, how did the Astros do? I talked to Joe Sheehan yesterday, and he said they did perfectly because they they filled all their holes and made their roster better. No, they didn't go get Soto, but they filled their holes and they got better. Well, let me share with you other sources like ESPN.com, draft uh, you know draft day deadline winners losers, Astros winners. CBS Sports Radio, cbssports.com, winners, losers. Astros, winners. So, winners, winners. I don't know about the chicken dinners. Both CBS Sports and ESPN draft uh, trade deadline. And the quote from CBS Sports, by the way, the Astros today are a much better team than they were 48 hours ago. The Astros today are a much better team than they were 48 hours ago. It didn't go super sexy. They didn't get Soto. They didn't go out and trade for the top pitcher. But they got a first baseman who can play corner outfield. That's an upgrade. They got a catcher who's an upgrade. And they have a lefty pitcher finally. And you don't have to worry about him closing and neither does he. It makes sense. We'll see. You know, clicks, grade, GM, Astros, might totally depend. He decided this was the route to go. And I think he decided once Josh Bell was off the table because he was going with Soto to the Padres. And he decided this was the way to go. This was the decision. So we'll see. And I think his legacy, or you want to say his grade, will one hundred percent me this philosophy he decided to go with. CBS Sports also does their weekly power rankings. Astros 2. They have Dodgers 1, Astros 2. The Yankees are down to 4. 11-13 so far. Well, 11-13 and 13 July. So heading into August, but that's the Astros beating them up head-to-head. That's what that story is all about. So Astros are 2 in the power rankings, and the Rangers are 19. Did you know, da-da-da, The Rangers are 2-11 against the Mariners. 2-11 against the Mariners. And 500 against the rest of the league, basically. That's their season. They're so bad against the Mariners, and that's their entire sub-500 record. Ranger fans, did you know that? To the trade deadline... We were on air when it was being finalized, but we saw it coming. Juan Soto and Josh Bell went to the Padres. The way the deal got done, Eric Hosmer got pulled out of the trade. Hosmer had a no-trade clause. He got to pick eight teams. One of them, hey, Washington Nationals. He would not waive it. Fine, they found another player to make the deal happen. Hosmer, later on in the day, got traded to the Boston Red Sox. Philadelphia Phillies got one of the top starters on the market, Noah Syndergaard. San Diego Padres, something that I did not know. I could have guessed if you asked me, but I guess I could have guessed because it had been a 50-50 answer. But the Padres have never won the World Series. And they built that minor league system, developed some of the top-end talent. Now they push their chips. All in. They have got Soto, Tatis, and Machado. And one of the best closers in the game and hater. All the excuses, going, going, going. You get where I'm going with this gun. Joey Gallo, Texas Rangers fame, got shipped from the Yankees to the Dodgers. Changes scenery, can do him good. And the last piece that could have been a part of the Astros puzzle. Was uh, you know the outfielder. And uh, Harrison Bader. Was who the Astros were looking at. Yankees. Yankees ended up picking them up. Even though they'd already gotten an outfielder earlier. At the trade deadline. So a couple of names in the circle there. Wilson Contreras. Did not move at all. And it's one of the more fascinating storylines. Of the trade deadline. Wilson Contreras did not move. And again. Why? I would say because there were too many suitors. And the Cubs overvalued him. Every one of the suitors. Whether it was the Astros. uh, The New York Mets. Every one of the suitors. But Seattle. Had the defensive catcher. Every one of the organizations. Valued the defense. Therefore. They were struggling with the concept of the defensive drop to pick up Contreras. They were willing to do it at the prices right. The Cubs were trying to sell something that the other teams were never going to buy. And I talked to Joe about this yesterday. And I was thinking, I, I when I said who's left, Joe mentioned about four teams, but I had kind of read the vibes differently at that point. Because these teams had, there's a lot of Maldonados. And Contreras would have been a huge upgrade offensively, but the organizations, if they cared about offense first, would have a different catcher. All of them had defense, so they weren't going to pay for, an. you know, thinking that they were getting, I'll say, Soto. Cubs screwed up. In the end, they still have Contreras after having like five different teams bid, which means they should have got a huge deal. Sean Murphy of the A's was on the market. And call him Contreras light, he didn't move. Because all the teams, same same story, had defense. So anyway, mistakes that were made at the trade deadline. Mistakes that were made. When we return up next, we visit with our beer master general, Alan Ward of Brigadoon Brewery. We talk beer. What else would you do with a brewmaster general? That's what's next on the Louis Bellina Show. On the Louis Bellina Show, each month, from time to time, we get to check in, visit with, and say, hey, what are you doing, man? With our beer master general, Alan Ward of Brigadoon Brewery. Alan, my brother, my friend, how you doing?
1: I am doing great. The weather's below 100 degrees outside. We're headed to the Renaissance Festival pretty soon, and uh, things are looking good.
0: Wait, 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 wait. You're headed to the Texas Renaissance Festival. Huzzah, my friend.
1: Well... Not physically. I'm looking at at planning. We're we're not that far out from the festival's opening, so that's that's my consideration. We're down to uh,
0: time to get things done. (laughs) We have a lot of people, freshmen, people that took jobs at A&M, moved back into town. So I would like for you to take that moment and tell people, what is a Brigadoon Brewery?
1: Brigadoon Brewery uh, was founded on the ideology that no Renaissance Village would exist without either a winery or a brewery. Because back in the medieval times, or renaissance periods, water would kill you, and it still may kill you in some places. Uh, We are a teaching uh, brewery. We brew on-premises, and we sell back to the public using period equipment, copper kettle, oak mash, ton, and sand timer. And we've got a commercial system in back also. We sell brew bigger batches. Uh, We brew about uh, four general uh, recipes and a different one for each weekend. So we have eight seasonals. We also have a, a unique thing. We actually highlight other breweries. So uh, each Saturday and Sunday at 1 o'clock, we have Taste of Texas class. We invite different breweries from across the state of Texas to come in and sit down with us and highlight their beers with our customers and give our customers a chance to talk to them. sometimes the owner, sometimes the head brewer, but usually at least a brewer or something are associated with the beer there. Uh, we're very unique in that we promote craft beer across the state of Texas. And that's our number one goal.
0: So Rigadoon Brewery. Located on the grounds of the Texas Renaissance Festival, where you craft beer in the, the Renaissance period style, and you have beer education classes. You have uh, breakfast with the brewmaster. You have the Taste of Texas classes. There's a lot actually going on besides, hey, come buy a pint.
1: We do, and we'll sit down and talk beer with anybody. We like to uh, educate. Uh, one of the best things you know, Louie, I like to sit down and talk about beer so we can get somebody to sit there and talk with us and learn about beer uh, and the virtues of how it saves civilization, uh, then I'm willing to do that. you know, you got to spread the word. Beer saves lives.
0: Brigadoon Brewery exists more than just the almost three months of the year of the Texas <laughs> Renaissance Festival. How can people keep, follow, keep track, just keep in touch with Brigadoon Brewery?
1: That's uh, the thing is follow us on Facebook at Brigadoon Brewery or on Twitter at Brew School, or on our uh, webpage at BrigadoonBrewery.com. Uh, our Facebook, of course, is our, and our Twitter is probably more up-to-date and accurate. It changes instantaneously uh, faster than the webpage can adjust. But usually we'll post most things on all those locations. You can
0: find it. So Facebook, Brigadoon Brewery. Twitter, at Brew School, if people would like to learn more, catch up, keep up, and like what taste of Texas, they want to know, wait a minute, I know it's every Saturday and Sunday at one, but what brewery you have this weekend? Well, Facebook, Twitter, they can find out.
1: They sure can, learn about all things we're doing. We're fixing to post pretty soon, Uh, opening weekend, October the 8th, we will tap a wooden cask of beer on the stage with the King live on the 8th and 9th, and that's something you don't want to miss. Generally, it goes well. We've had one case where we had an exploding cast shoot our our stick it out, which is always exciting for everybody else but me.
0: Uh, so it's, a you know, never can tell. It's, it's live. So question about the time of year. You know, summer beers are past that. I mean, we're still drinking them, but nobody's brewing them because you're, what are you, you're brewing fall beers now, right? I mean, you got to brew that far ahead or, or fall or fall beers already been brewed. What are you brewing at this time of the year? we are brewing uh our octoberfest right now and then we'll
1: start our black plague in about a week and our green ogre at the same time so we start gearing up for the Renaissance festival now uh we don't have a lot of tank space so we can't t- take a large amount of time with beers and tank the the thing with beers is you're looking at a two-week gestation period to go from just sugar water to an alcohol product and then usually another two to three weeks to age the beer to get it to be where you want it to be. So most beers served in the stores and in bars, is actually about eight weeks old if it's fresh, six to eight weeks. So we're looking at that period of time right now to get ahead of the game. Uh, so we're going to have plenty of beer ready to go October
0: 8th. So, hold on. About eight weeks old if it's fresh. So let's say it's December 29th, I'm at a bar, and they have an Oktoberfest on tap. That's probably not fresh beer. Well, you know, I would say
1: probably not, but there's two things involved in that. Oktoberfest is kind of a strange beer nowadays. It used to be only brewed seasonally. Some breweries brew that almost year-round, so they may have continued to brew another batch after the first one was run. A true Oktoberfest, what's called a Marsden Oktoberfest, would have been brewed in March and served in October. That's not the case in most places now. Most of the Oktoberfests are being brewed now uh, in in tanks. They can sit about eight to you know, about eight weeks in the tank, another two weeks to age. So you're looking about a month, two months ahead for a beer to be, an Oktoberfest to be ready to drink. Uh, I know St. Arnold, I know, Southern Stars, got theirs coming out this next, uh, about two weeks. So you, know, you start looking like, Octoberfest Oktoberfest to hit the shelves pretty soon. But a lot of breweries brew those almost year-round. It's, it's a beer type that is well-loved, and although associated with October and September, uh, they're being brewed right now, because it. That's a lager to beer and it's gonna take about eight to twelve weeks from, from start to finish.
0: And that's a long time to take up uh brew space. It, it is, it is. So if you had to be an Oktoberfest in
1: December, that brewery may have actually brewed that in uh, August, September, which is not old for an Oktoberfest.
0: But now they're really going something
1: else that'll be older, but
0: now when you say some breweries do an Oktoberfest year round, does Allstat do year round? Because I don't think they do, do they? No, they don't. They don't. Uh, in fact, they've got a new lager hitting the market uh, in the beginning
1: of September. I'm looking forward to trying that this week in the Master Brewers Conference. But their October hits will be hitting the mark. are being brewed, I think it's already in tank. If I, remember, I talked to the head brewer there uh, about a week ago. I think they're putting it in tank. So keep in mind, that's an eight-week in-tank period. So if you started it in, in July, it wouldn't come out until September sometime, right about September. So the, it's in tank right now.
0: You mentioned that you have the, is it the Masters Guild Conference coming up this weekend?
1: It's a lot of words. The Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Master Brewers is a, or MBAA as we call it, because it's too long to say when you're drunk, uh, is an organization, a worldwide organization of brewers. Uh, And as long as you belong to a brewery and you brew professionally, you can join the organization. Uh, District Texas represents Texas. Oklahoma, Louisiana, and New Mexico. So it's one of the largest landmass areas uh, associations in the United States, about actually the world, I guess. Uh, we actually have breweries all the way from uh, Miller Coors uh, down to Brigadoon. So you got you got huge multinational breweries down the teeny weeny breweries. Uh, we all come together. We uh, we have some educational processes. This uh, this weekend, Saturday, we're having a flavor class, which doesn't sound you know, that's not a lot of beer there, but no, it's, it's these beers will have off flavors. So we'll get about eight beers with off flavors, and we'll sit down and drink bad beer and discuss what's wrong with those beers and how we can correct those problems. So it's all educational. Uh, Friday night, we have a, a a social, and you get your pass and everything else. Saturday all day long, you've got classes and education. Saturday night, we have a banquet. Saturday evening, we get to socialize a little more. Uh, one of the nice things about it is usually every brewery brings some beer with them, a lot of times it's brand new beers. They've not hit the market yet. And you get to try a lot of different beers all at one time. I meet mean, a lot of great people and learn a lot of new things.
0: You know, it, it, it's funny. It, you, you mentioned tasting bad beer. doesn't sound that attractive. But then you <laughs> mentioned the, the social where you all drink together. Is that one of those where everybody whips out from their brewery something they've been making and everybody's trying to show off? Kind of drinking or it's just whatever's at the bar? Uh, no, uh, everybody brings what
1: they want to bring with them. Uh, sometimes it's a classic. Uh, like We'll have Black Plague and Brigadoon there. Uh, sometimes it's something brand new. Uh, all Stats is hinted they're going to bring the new lager, which just went to package yesterday. So we're looking forward to have that. Um, you know, something brand new to try to the market. But usually we bring, uh, each brewery brings two or three different flavors. We have an ice chest out there you select what you want to. Uh, sometimes we maybe you know, know to share a can, get a cup. I'll take half of, this, half of that one so you can drink all the beers there and still be able to function. Uh, it, it's a unique learning experience um, to, to judge and taste people's it beer. It's got you like about it what you don't like about it. See what they did to make this flavor and that flavor. So it's not only is it a, a social, it's also an
0: education time too. Sounds good. I have a text message question for you if you're up for it. Sure. It says, Lou, ask Alan that's you, what he thinks <laughs> of Porter, it's an all caps type beer. It was a yingling Porter. It tasted dreadful. Okay, so porters are different, are a
1: style of beer. Yingling's Porter, I will tell you that I'm not a big fan of Yingling's beer except for their lager. I like the Yingling's lager. Their porter, I'm not a big fan of. And they have a black and tan that I'm not a fan of either. Uh, so I agree with them. I'm not a big fan of, of the of their, their their porter. It doesn't, it's got an off flavor to it to me. And I agree I agree with the, your listener there. Uh, I don't recommend it. Uh, of course, you try it. You may, may find that's the best beer in the world for you. i uh, the nice thing about beers, but your listener is correct. That beer is not what I would call on my top beer list. Um, it, it's not I'm not sure why they make it. How's that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. It just went from try it if you want to I'm not sure why they make it. That's well, a big the, degree gap. You know, they have other beers that are better. Why don't stick with what, you, what you're doing well? We're visiting with Alan Ward. He is the head brewmaster, owner of Brigadoon Brewery. He is our beer master general. We check in with him a couple of times a month here on the Louis Bolina Show. I got a challenge for you. All what right. was the last great beer you had?
1: Oh, good question, because that leads into why I wanted to make sure I mentioned something. There's a brand new brew pub opening in Houston this weekend's their grand opening. It's uh, August 6th, 11 a.m. It's called Counter Common Beer Works and Kitchen. Huge name for a brew pub. But it's on Bel Air Street in Houston. Uh, the owners, uh, Dennis Rea and uh, Dennis yeah, Dennis Ray and Jay, uh, Jaime Robles, are, are there. Dennis is an ex brewer from St. Arnold's, and Jamie's a, a cook, a chef by trade. And the, they have five beers on tap. I got to go by and visit them before everybody else got a chance to skip there. Uh, surprise, surprise! And they have got a Munich there that I thought was fantastic. It's called Beer Bier Münchenbier Munichelis. Big, huge name, but it was a great, great, hella-style beer, about 4.8% alcohol, about 15 IBUs, really well, low bitterness, and light-bodied, and they have good food there too. It's kind of a American-Korean-Mexican fusion kind of a deal there. Wow. Uh, so you got a variety of food. Uh, it was Everything I had there was fantastic. They had a good Kolsch also. Uh, it was about 45 also 18% alcohol. Uh, those two beers... Were probably the best beer I've had in a you and recently, they had a hazy IPA. I'm not a hazy fan. Uh. There's just done to standard. It's done what it should be done. If you like hazes, you'll like it. I just think that we should get beer clear again. Uh, you know, why not make IPAs clear? That that's a, that's a motto and trend i to get behind. Um, they had a nice alt there, Uh um, they had a, a pale ale that, w- that was was reasonable in, in in the marketplace. But their their best beer, there, I think, was a hell of fair. You got to uh, say the name like, again. I counter. Common Beer Works and Kitchen. It's in bellair Texas. Uh which is in Houston, actually. And the green opening is Saturday at eleven AM. I, the, it's a great modern looking brewery. You can see it through the glass walls there. They got a ten barrel system there. I think they have five tanks. Uh really, really well classical, nice modern look to the place.
0: I think I've been hanging around beer too much and more. I recognize both of the names. That you mentioned that own it, including I guess the chefy side. Yeah, and, and you had. If
1: i me telling Dennis is, was a longtime brewer at uh, at St. Arnold and Jaime Robles. Uh, I he's a chef, and I, yeah. I've known him other places. I'm not as good as friends with him. Uh, I used to be real good friends with Dennis, and still am.
0: Again, I reckon I went. Oh man, I've been doing this too long. I, I've, <laughs> I've had too many beers and tacos in my life. That is just scary. <laughs> uh, so okay, good recommendation of the day there. Try and the Munich beer. Just that's in the title somewhere. The rest of it yeah. I couldn't repronounce.
1: No, they have a Munich Hellas and a Colst. Uh, they're both. They're, they actually have the name of what the style of beers in the name, which is really good. for People who don't know what, what styles they are, uh, but their Hellas was really good. I had a, a couple of tacos. Uh, one was a Korean pork, and the other one was a, a barbecue one. And the Hellas beer was fantastic with it. I had all the beers there. Uh, I like to order flights when I go into new places. Uh, just give me one of everything. Yep. Uh, you know, small, small serving size. I like about a, about a four-ounce sample is a good size I have. Uh, and then pick after that. And after I had all the beers they had there, I went back and, and finished uh, continue my stay with the Hellas.
0: Mm, mm, sorry. You got me yeah, first going through my head as you're talking. Okay, what am I doing this weekend? How long does it take to get to Houston? Who's going to go with me? And I'm trying to already plan this trip out to Houston, but a grand opening might be a little bit too packed to drive there and not get in. We'll we'll see, but I'm definitely going to try. Or maybe you and I could hook up down there in Houston in the upcoming weeks. That would be kind of fun. That'd be good. Yeah, we can do that. Maybe make a little beer tour of the area. Oh, that is scary good (laughs) and fun. There's so many great places in Houston. Is Austin the undisputed king, though, of craft beer in the state of Texas?
1: I think austin is the undisputed number of breweries in the state of texas now numbers don't always make the best truth uh but i think austin has probably got per capital area the most brew pubs and breweries uh, if not they're really really close i don't know who would be beating them houston's trying to catch up but austin's got some really good ones there uh been definitely by numbers they have houston now quality of beers I'm going to say there's some good quality beer in Houston. There's some good quality beer in San Antonio, uh, at Fort Worth. You look around the state of Texas, there are good quality beers out there besides Austin. But Austin's got the largest number that I can think of offhand
0: yeah, in a small area. The ultimate problem, when you want to say best, right, is that's that's taste bud relevant. Well, to
1: me, it's taste bud, and there's two multiple things with beers and breweries nowadays to me, uh, and that is the beer quality and what they have, and then what is the atmosphere like? Because I have a great beer and be a horrible place to go to, I don't feel safe. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to go at night there. So I think it's a combination of things, not only just good beer, but a good atmosphere and a good safe area too. Um, you know, Austin Beer Works is there in, in Austin. Great beer, good area, good area, kind of going, looking around and be there. I feel safe there. But there's some places I wouldn't want to go at night. Uh, and it's place, Houston, I used to want to go at night myself, by myself sometimes too.
0: Fair enough. Alan, look, thank you always. Good luck with your Renaissance Festival prep. And, hey, man, let's make that Houston trip happen. I miss you. We haven't got a chance to hang out in a while. You're about to get uber busy. Uh, Let's make sure we have a beer or two. Sounds good, sir. Be good, brother. Talk to you soon. Bye. Later. Alan Ward, Brigadoon Brewery. A couple of times each month, we hang out here on the Louis Bellina Show. I miss him already. Wow, so I'm sitting here inside the Charles Schwab studio during that little commercial timeout. In uncertain times, Charles Schwab remains invested in their clients, that's you, by offering personalized guidance and clarity. Contact Mark Sim right here in College Station. Get answers to your questions. Learn more at schwab.com slash college station. I'm sitting here inside the Charles Schwab studio I was watching TV. It's on mute. It's off, but we always have ESPN on in case breaking news, the scroll, everything, right? ESPN, the Ocho, is like this Friday or Saturday. First off, cool. ESPN, the Ocho. But it's live. They're going to have like live sports, but it's Ocho. I mean, it's live and they have the feature every year is the most absurd sports they can find. And they have Corgi races on the Ocho coming up. Um, what else? Oh, uh, oh! I just, it went by. It, it just I saw about three different sports, and Corgi racing was one of them. That I mean, head on the counter. Like, no, come on. They're all bad. That's the point. There's three of them that really stood out as you gots to be. Didn't have dodgeball, though. But yeah, ESPN, The Ocho, Dodgeball, a True Underdogs, Bleepin' A, Cotton, Bleepin' A. I once paid for that. in I, I, I'm a big fan of the movie. I want you to enter now at zone1150.com if you want to win a Texas summer survival kit thanks to Field the Family because you only have two days left to enter, and it's the last two days of the entire summer. It's week 12 of 12. If you'd like to win, go now to zone1150.com. Can't miss it. It says Texas Summer Survival Kit. Click it. Takes 15 seconds total. This is your last chance. Enter now at Field the Fam. Enter now at zone1150.com. Field the Family. They want you to know where your beef comes from. All the calves are born and raised right here on their own Brazz Valley ranches. They're fed from homegrown crops. Support local. Go shop now at shopfieldthefamily.com. They have quality cuts of beef and special cuts that you can't get anywhere else. Shop now. Shop now. Go to shopfieldthefamily.com. Last chance. Two days. You can enter each day. Go for it. I'm kind of pumped about that. Text message got cut off. 979 uh, 693 The Texas Summer Survival Kit, week 12 of 12, almost done. I think is epic and awesome and special and magical. And I love doing it every summer. The fact that we, the zone, and our partners—people like the Smoke and Aces Barbecue Team and Fiesta Texas Six Flags, the Brazzaville Bombers, Field the Family, Superior Auto Service, Cinemark Theater—the fact that we can all come together and just—I don't know—make like one family summer really awesome. That's memories. That's really cool. Before we head out the door. From the Lifestyles portion of the Louis Molina show. Trivia. Oh, yeah, trivia. Come on. Did you know there have only been 13 NFL players ever who were born in Alaska? Did you know? Both Vincent Van Gogh and Salvador Dali are named after their older brothers who died before they were born. Kind of scary, kind of freaky. Both Vincent Van Gogh and Salvador Dali are named after their older brothers who died before they were born. And finally, did you know, and I didn't know this, there's a town in Northwest Texas called Dalhart. It's closer to six other state capitals than it is to Austin. Understand the parameters here. There's a town in northwest, Texas, and it's called Dalhart This town Dalhart in Texas is closer to six other state capitals than it is to Austin the capital of Texas What are the other six? Thank you for asking Santa Fe, New Mexico Oklahoma City Denver, Colorado Cheyenne, Wyoming, Topeka, Kansas, and Lincoln, Nebraska. Did you know? All three of those can win you trivia at your favorite bar, restaurant, brewery. You can impress your friends at work. You can make $10 on that trivia.